folks and welcome to the Is It Over Yet Wrestling Podcast. It feels like it's been absolutely ages since we've done this. Um, to celebrate, I actually have some pizza and a beer here. I feel kind of bad because I can't share it with my co-host, Sam Whaley. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. I'm doing absolutely fine. Yeah. I've had, re- I've had quite a bad week with backache and it's surprising how much it affects you when you're struggling with your back oh dude i mean the thing about backs is whether you're kind of like sitting comfortably or you're sitting upright it just it kills doesn't it i mean like i yeah. can imagine if you drive around a lot that has got to absolutely just oh it's got to be agony man yeah i've spent break times at work with the the seat fully reclined Oh, crazy. So I can lay back with sort of a lump in my back and it sort of soothes it a little. Well, you want to get that checks out, man. People of our age need to stick together. We need to go to the doctors and get this kind of thing sorted out. <laughs> i tell you what I need to do. I need to get in contact with friend of the show, Sean Stacey. I can get him to chiropract my ass. He is a chiropractor as well, isn't he? What a move from, from yeah. the days of meat. Do you know what, right? I, I, I don't normally do this, but I need to plug the... Yeah how it ended show with Robbie E mm-hmm. because uh, Sean Stasiak was on that recently and I know that I've told you about this already but you have to listen to this not for the reason of you have in- interest in Sean Stasiak but trust me you need to go and listen to this he try- he puts himself over in the most amazing ways okay I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued by how you're describing this I mean no, no offense to Robert E. I, I had fun watching him when he was in Impact. But I never really caught any of his podcasts, so I'm not too sure what that's about. Yeah, I mean, you've got to listen to this. Sean Stasiak literally doesn't let them get a word in edgeways. <laughs> he talks for an hour and a half straight. But what's brilliant about this is how he still believes that he can be the WWE champion at oh, some really? point in his life. Yeah, uh, he's, he's actually putting it out there and saying to them, uh, I'm available. I, I- if you want me to come back and be the WWE champion, it's I'm, it's in, it's an incredible interview, honestly. It's bizarre because speaking of kind of the older generation of wrestlers wanting to come back and be champions and whatnot. Now, I don't know if you remember a tag team called the Quebecers. Yes. Okay, so the Quebecers were um, they were made up of Jacques, Jacques Rougeau. Yep. And. Uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, I believe his name was. Now this guy, um, the the other half of, of the Quebecers, um, is now wrestling on the Indies as this new character called PCO. I just watched a little documentary on him. Anyway, this guy's 50 years old. He's taking crazy bumps on the Indies and everything like that. Um, but the main crux of this documentary was like, well, I think if I came back to WWE, I wouldn't really be comfortable unless they gave me like kind of a, a decent storyline. It was just... A bizarre yeah. thing to hear this kind of guy that still doing well for himself and whatnot. And I, I fully support anyone wanting to kind of accomplish their dreams. But at 50 years old and having been through the WWE system so many times, only really being a tag team wrestler, it felt so weird to hear him kind of thinking he could slot himself into yeah. modern I think, day. I think it's it's drilled into them so much to put themselves over that I think they will always believe that they should be the top of everything always I mean uh, the way the way that uh, Sean Stasiak speaks on this thing is he he goes on about um, going through the, uh, the the funking dojo thing at the same yeah. time as Kurt, Kurt Angle 
and wondering why Kurt Angle was so successful <laughs> and why they didn't push him in the same way. And he talks about uh, somebody in the office didn't like him and it was all a conspiracy against him and he should have been the WWE champion. And, uh, you know, him and The Rock came together and they should have been on the same par. And Bizarre, it's isn't it? It's really odd. Yeah, I mean, really obviously, odd. to be a wrestler, you've got to be a shameless self promoter. That's kind of just a thing. And whether or not you kind of. You know, whether you can do that in two ways, Kai. You can be kind of humble, but put yourself out there. But and you can also be kind of delusional and put yourself yeah. out there. Now, yeah. I, I believe Sean Stasiak, not to carry on too much about this guy, but is he's second generation, isn't he? So he's, he's yeah. um, is it Stan Stasiak? That's his dad, right? Stan the Man Stasiak. Stan the Man. Yeah. So big, big name wrestler from from the kind of older generation of wrestling. Um, so obviously this guy thought he had a future because of that, but as we know, not all second generation guys make it that far. I mean, so yeah. bless him. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, in the end he actually said it, it, the reason he wants to go back and be champion is to keep a promise that he made to his dad saying that they oh. were going to be the first ever um, father-son duo to both be WWE champion. Crikey. Okay, well, to be fair... I mean, that's quite honourable, really, isn't it? I mean, how old is yeah. uh, how old is Sean Stasiak? He's forty-eight. Forty-eight. Okay, so we've seen Goldberg come back. We've seen people like that come back at that age. But then again, Goldberg is an exceptional specimen. Yeah. Uh, not to take too much away from uh, Sean Stasiak, but Goldberg is Goldberg. So. Yeah. But basically, yeah, basically, what I'm saying is. Please go and give this a listen because it's not what you expect. Okay. It's a re- really good interview. Yeah, everybody go and check it out. I'm going to do it. It sounds really intriguing. Anyway, how do you fancy speaking about some wrestling? Let's talk some NXT TakeOver. Let's talk Survivor Series. How about that, dude? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. NXT TakeOver Warriors. We're going to talk about NXT TakeOver so I think it's been really hard to look at any NXT takeovers of the past couple of years and say that any of them were anywhere near a bad show. They just seem to be building momentum, kind of show after show, you know, and you, you, just as you're thinking, oh, this wrestler's gone to the main roster, this wrestler's gone to the main roster, you know, the product might suffer a little bit now. It just doesn't. I mean, I don't know how you feel about uh, NXT takeovers. Are you enjoying them as a whole? Yeah, I am. There's one thing uh, I wanted to ask you about the nxt takeover brand okay um do you think it's strange how how they're all they are all called nxt takeover i mean i know this one is uh takeover war games but it sort of reminds me a little bit of when the wwe used to do the in your house pay-per-views yes yes and i think being that Triple H is is in charge of a lot of these things, he's going back to those days because that's the era where he first began. Like the in, well in WWE anyway, the in your house era. So he's taking it back to that simpler monthly. Well, not monthly because NXT is not monthly, but you know that simpler branding, which I think is good because it takes away from the it takes the focus away from the show and puts more emphasis on the matches. I yeah. think that's a good I thing. Think- I feel like War Games is like NXT's equivalent to the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So it it is a gimmick pay per view, mm-hmm. but the gimmick is awesome. <laughs> the gimmick so, is awesome, considering yeah, it's a recycled it? gimmick as well. Yeah, it's a WCW one, isn't it? Uh huh. Um, the thing with it is, you know, all the others are like Takeover, and then the name of the city, what where they are, mm-hmm. and it's just all about wrestling matches, like you said. 
Uh, whereas, you know, the the main WWE product is all about a gimmick pay-per-view. The only yeah. ones that really are not gimmicks are, you know, Raw Rumble not included, the big four. Um, and it's really strange that every single one, I mean, next up we've got, uh, what is it, tables, ladders and chairs. Yep. Like, why do they all have to be gimmicked? Why can't it just be like it used to be, uh, for example, the Dav, what was it, like, Bad Blood. Armageddon. Um, Backlash. You, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like that. Nothing is, nothing had to have a specific idea behind it, so they could have had any match they wanted at any given pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Now they're much more restricted because TLC comes along, they have to stick their main guys in these gimmick matches, which sometimes work. I mean, your TLC matches, there's an awful lot you can do with them. But I don't know, it just depends which performance you've got going on. Sometimes it can ruin a dream match to have gimmick all over it, you know? So yeah. I get your point, yeah. man. And obviously TakeOver didn't always start out like that because they were, they had names initially at the start, didn't they? I can't remember some of them. Like I know they initially kind of grew out of naming each individual pay-per-view for NXT and moved straight yeah. onto this TakeOver branding, which I think is great because not only does it identify with the city that they're in, which makes the city feel prouder about the event, respond yeah. better, but you know, occasionally we get war games and then people know yeah. what that's about and they just, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just seems like I mean, something special. It's awesome because you get, you know, you've got the the general way it is done is you'll have the title match, you'll have the tag title match, and you'll have the women's title match, and then a couple of feuds. Yeah. So everything is really condensed, and that's what makes everything about NXT Takeover so great. Yeah. Because everything is really concentrated on. Well, it is, isn't and it? It doesn't have to be watered down because you don't have to have ninety-five hours of. Uh, pay-per-view filled up with a bazillion three-minute matches it's it's the prime example of less is more because yeah. you're delivering a pay-per-view with like not a crazy name you're delivering what maximum five to six matches probably never six to be fair i mean we got we got five on this one of them was seven seconds long and i still kind of got to the end of the pay-per-view and thought wow this has been a substantial meaty pay-per-view that i really enjoyed what what, what do you, how do you feel about running down the card man for, okay for sure Cool, man. So, I mean, here this uh, pay-per-view started out with a guy that we both kind of said we weren't sure of yet, um, Matt Riddle. So, obviously, he's had a bit of animosity with Cassius owner recently. Cassius has been calling uh, Matt Riddle William Regal's shiny new toy, trying to put him out of uh, action and whatnot. It's not really happened. Um, obviously, they, these two were supposed to have a match. I think this this NXT, so this week's NXT, they were supposed to have a match, but instead... Matt Riddle comes out and he, he challenges Cassius Ono to a match on the pay-per-view. So mm-hmm. Cassius Ono comes out, gets a bit cocky, and seven seconds later he is laid out by Matt Riddle's kick. Um, has this helped you feel any more positive towards Matt Riddle? What do you say? No. Dude? No. <laughs> no. It's just made me realise that poor old Cassius Ono has been underused. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That, it's a rare thing in NXT, so I'm not going to dwell on that whatsoever. But the days of Chris Hero are gone, I think. Do you think underused? Or do you think that he's kind of now signed himself up to this position of making future stars? Like, Is, th- is he like the Kurt Angle of NXT? Well, yeah, he seems like the guy that is is now there and has an understanding that it's now your job to get these guys of the future that are a lot younger than you. Because let's face it, Chris Hero is... Maybe maybe like 38, 40, I'm not sure. Yeah, Don't have Wikipedia in front of me. Been but... around 
a long time. I yeah, know that. Had a hell of a career. The guy is, you know, it's not like he's come to WWE and people don't know who he is. People know who this guy is. They know, they're well aware of, aware of his history and Ring of Honor, that kind of thing, all over the independent scene. The guy's a legend, and we know when he puts matches on that he can put a good match on with pretty much anybody, yeah, which yeah. leads me to think that that's what they're doing with him. Although here, <laughs> here he was victimized pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's just, he's just a boring character. Matt Riddle? No, uh, Cassius Ono. Okay, okay. I, fe- I feel like, I always thought when they brought Eric Young into NXT that that was going to be his job. Yeah. Before the creation of Sanity. I thought Eric Young was specifically going to be brought in to put over the young ones. Um, and to be fair, dude, I thought the same about Samoa Joe. <laughs> so well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we've we've had people, we've had a kind of Eric Young. He's disappeared, really. I don't know what's going on with him. We saw Sanity come out on SmackDown, I believe, to kind of introduce Nikki Cross. Then they just bugged off. I haven't heard, <laughs> heard anything of. Were, were they not part of the uh, pre-show on the Survivor Series pre-show? I think weren't they? I, I, I'm not sure, man. I didn't watch the pre-show, but if they were, it's not like they've been promoted much on actual television, which is so uh, strange. I think they're such a valuable faction. They're like... Uh, they will be eventually. I hope so, man. I hope so, because the authors, the authors of Pain are getting a good showing, and, and obviously they were kind of the similar ilk in NXT. Mm. Um, but yeah, this was a, it was kind of a throwaway match. It was just to get Matt Riddle out there, I'd say, to establish his big name on the bigger pay-per-view so it did its job the fans loved it um i'm more than happy for what happened really because we weren't going to get a match so whatever really do you want to know the do you want to know the truth about this match (laughs) okay go on i want to know the truth okay so i put this i put nxt takeover on yeah yep i went and got went to go and put the kettle on made my cup of tea and when i came back in matt riddle was still at the top of the ramp celebrating Oh, okay. Did you even bother to rewind? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Well, I'm glad that I laid that all out before we talked about the match because now you kind of know how it ended. But yeah, it was it was it was what it was. Uh, these kind of things have to happen occasionally, you know. Like I said, it was just a bit of a spot filler. But I tell you what wasn't a spot filler. The next match, which was Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane, and you would have thought after all these matches with these uh, these two. We would be a bit sick of it by now, but for God's sake, man, I seem to be looking forward to them more and more every time these two get in the ring together. And this was no exception, really. Two out of three falls. It was a really well-laid-out match, and it wasn't particularly a clean finish this time, in my eyes. We got no. we got kind of, obviously, the, the normal two out of three falls thing where each each person gets the, the fo- one fall each, and then you got that final fall to get. Yeah, so we got a bit of interference here from um, from Shayna Baszler's homegirls, as you said. And uh, yeah, they made a significant impact on the match, enough so to bring out some of Kairi Sane's friends. So we got Dakota Kai and we got Io Shirai coming out. So w- what actually ended up happening here was Shayna Baszler picked up the win and it, it wasn't particularly clean. I think it was off the distraction. But what do you think about this match, man? Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. Uh, it's like you say, it's, I think the two out of three falls is always quite predictable. You always get the one all and then somebody will grab the win. Yep. Um, I like how they're keeping Kyrie Sane strong. Yep. Uh, I really liked the Eoshirai bit. That was awesome. Yeah, that was a perfect moonsault this time. Yeah, man. She nailed yeah, it. Really cool. Um, and still don't know what to think about the four horse, well, the three horse women thing. Yeah. 
Um, I imagine one day they're going to integrate that with Ronda. Yeah, and I think we'll be able to kind of talk about that a little bit later on because yeah. I feel that's kind of a bit of foreshadowing. It's being set up, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, good, really good match. Oh, always, always. It was. It was, wasn't it? It was like I feel like they've had. Um, quite a few different types of matches now. They've had the beatdown type matches. They've had the, the kind of more technical ones. I feel like this one was a lot more storyline driven. And I don't feel like it's going to be the last time we see these two meet, which is strange after I believe they've already had three matches now. Yeah, that should be it, I think. Yeah, so who knows where this goes. I love Kyrie Sane and I, I love Shayna Baszler. It's not discouraged me from either of these ladies. Um, I love the kind of combinations of people that are surrounding them. As you know, I like Dakota Kai, but Io Shirai, she's great. And those those two huge-looking ladies um, that, that accompany Shayna Baszler, pretty intimidating. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they do on the NXT roster. Yay! Yeah. Um, so we, we, we got um, a match that's been building for most of the summer here um, and that's Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black now obviously there was the storyline where someone took out Alistair Black in in the parking lot um, the big build surrounding this kind of went on for quite a while William Regal was investigating it it ended up being Johnny Gargano and the storyline surrounding this is he feels like Alistair Black got in his way on on his course to winning the championship back from Tommaso Ciampa so can I ask what do you think about this match dude all right, two things to start off with. Alistair Black is one of the coolest wrestling gimmicks ever. Yes. Um, I love the entrance. I love the sort of like rising from beneath. It's such a cool entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the song. I liked the spiky jacket that he had on this time. Mm-hmm. Very Undertaker. Loved it. Yeah. He is. He, he he's the he's going to be the next Undertaker. I know that we said that about Bray Wyatt, but okay. I think. You know, without wanting to say, oh, we need a new Undertaker, I think he's going to be sort of a, of that calibre. Well, um, he's got that, he's got a unique enough gimmick to kind of be that dark character, hasn't he? But yeah. to separate himself away. And I think his gimmick, he's got so much belief in it as well. Like, I mean, Bray Wyatt's great, but after a while you feel like all he is is talking. Whereas yeah. Alistair Black is, a, you know, it's just a stone cold the job killer. Done. He does. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, carry on, dude. Um, and Johnny Gargano, what a great heel. Like, mm-hmm. because he's, he's really dislikable in a different way to Champa. Like, I feel like I don't like Gargano in the way that I don't like... I don't know. It's an obvious <laughs> comparison right now, dude. The, the, the way that Daniel Bryan's going, it's the guy that you feel's turned his back on you. Like we loved um, Johnny Gargano, well, well wanting to root for him every single match, and he's just gone a bit crazy. And you kind of just you're like, oh, you're not the same guy. You're not the same yeah. guy anymore. It's that feeling for me. Yeah, I mean, and what I liked about this match as well was you sort of go into it thinking, oh, Alistair Black's going to absolutely kill him. He's going to kill him. He's so angry. He's done all this to him. But what I liked about it was, I can't remember which commentator it was, but obviously when there was a lot of back and forth and it was a really relatively even match, um, uh, somebody mentioned the fact that he is still Johnny wrestling. uh, And it sort of puts across the fact that Johnny Gargano is a legitimate you know, a, a legitimate ass. threat to anybody, yeah. Yes, of course. And he comes down the aisle and you think, he's a lot smaller than most guys, you yeah. know. But 
the guy's got so much technique and so much kind of he's got charisma as well and i think i forget that a lot of the times because he comes down the aisle he looks a bit diminutive and he gets in the ring and he knows how to play to the crowd whether he's a heel or a face and he did it more than you know more than enough here because alistair black was the clear-cut favorite everybody wanted him to win they felt like johnny had turned turned his back and uh what a great finish though what a great finish it was really cool it the, was the black mass is just ace. Just where he picked him up by with his foot, picked him up with his foot on his jaw and kicked him, and then he picked him up again. I just loved it, man. It was like the ultimate kind of finish him, kind of in, in a Mortal Kombat kind of way. It's I like, loved it. Bang bang, you're dead. It, it really was, and it was. Um, it wasn't like a disappointing ending either. You felt like it really concluded something. Um, and I, I, that's what I loved, man. I love that this was yeah. a story from start to finish, and this was the end, and you knew it was the end. So, yeah. and now Johnny Gargano and Alistair Black move on. Moving forward, Gargano's got to get rid of the Paramore song. Yeah, man. I thought that was a weird move. I thought usually when someone transitions character, they kind of, you know, the music comes with them. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully that that kind of, I don't know. It's quite emo, isn't it? Doesn't really yeah. suit the. <laughs> it's kind of odd. But yeah, um, great match. Really enjoyed yep. it. Um, kind of ties in with the next one. We've got Tommaso Ciampa, who is the current NXT champion, versus Velveteen Dream. Now, speaking of dreams, I feel like this was a bit of a dream match, um, considering the, the two talents we've got here. We've got Tommaso Ciampa, a little bit older, kind of a little bit wiser, been around the indies. We've got Velveteen Dream, who is a young man starting his career in the WWE. Um... And God, is he picking up steam super fast. I mean, in losing here, I still don't feel like his kind of gimmick or momentum was tarnished. No. How do you feel about this match, dude? Uh, the Velveteen Dream is... I think he's going to end up being one of my favourite wrestlers of this year. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, 2018 is the start of something really special for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I like to see Champa back in the ring. It seems like forever since we've seen him wrestle. Yeah, he's he been a character, hasn't he? Do, yeah, he doesn't tend to do TV matches, does he at all? No. Um, but I loved the Dream's entrance. I, I liked the strangeness of the Hollywood Hogan thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I can't sort of get my head around what this what this meant. I know that... Uh, How do you mean, sorry? Yeah, wrestler attire, what they normally wear for a pay-per-view, often has like a hidden meaning behind yep. it. Uh, you know, like a tribute to somebody or something, blah, 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 something like this. I can't imagine him doing a tribute to Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> no. And this second time he's done it. It was kind of bizarre, but isn't it? First time round he did the Hulkamania, mm-hmm. and this time he's done Hollywood Hogan. It's strange. It's kind of bizarre considering everything that's gone on with the with the whole Hulk Hogan thing. Um, the fact that they even had him in Saudi Arabia as well was quite strange. This here was even weirder considering that this is, like you said, the second time he's done it. So Triple H must be really letting these guys have free reign on their own characters. Yeah, I mean, is, is it that? Is Triple H just saying you can go out and do whatever you want? Because I heard somebody mention that this was a rib. Um, I mean, are they going to let a guy as green as the Velveteen Dream go out and rib Hulk Hogan? (laughs) Or is it, and I'm going to find it difficult to put it this way, is it so the WWE can show that 
a guy of the Velveteen Dream's ethnic background. I did not see this political angle coming, my friend. But yes, that that may well be the case. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Because obviously someone like the Velveteen Dream will have grown up with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Possibly. He may be a bit too young for that era, but he will definitely, as a wrestling fan, have gone back and watched a lot of tapes. Um, big inspiration for someone as charismatic as the Velveteen Dream. Um, obviously, you've got your macho man, your Hulk Hogan's really tie-in with the whole Velveteen Dream character, but... God, man, I never even thought of it as as a way to kind of appease, you know, certain people. Yeah. So That's, yeah. that was my that was my first thought, but I've yeah. not seen anybody else mention that. Well, that's fun speculation. I got to say, I, I I wouldn't want to go out there and say that's a definite thing. But God, that's, no, no, no. that's such a yeah. It, that's pretty deep. <laughs> pretty yeah. deep, man. Um, yeah. I mean. Following on from this, the match itself was utterly fantastic. We, It was one of those matches where there was a lot of near falls as well, which sometimes can be overkill. I feel like that started round about The Undertaker versus um, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. We got a yeah. lot of near falls in that match. It's carried on, led to a lot of successful matches. And God, there was a lot of kickouts in this one. Like I was just, I was convinced either one of them could win at any time. And Obviously, that's a great thing. You want to be on the edge of your seat, but mm-hmm. it made them look, you know, not to make a pun, but immortal in a way. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you say that to me? Maybe you it, said that to me. I think it take, it takes away from the the Death Valley Driver mm-hmm. or the Dream Valley Driver um, because it didn't finish the match. It's did he? Strange. And did he do it? Twi- he did it twice, didn't he? He did it once in the ring and once outside the ring as well. He did. The thing is, Tommaso Ciampa's not been sold as a badass, man. He's been sold as, like, conniving, you know, creep. But I don't think he's been sold as, like, a hard man. I think Tommaso Ciampa has been sold as a maniac who is would do anything for this belt. Okay. Like, he's actually in love with the belt. Well, that makes more sense. So, yeah, in kicking out, I suppose, that, that tells that story. Um, yeah, and I don't know if you noticed as well, it was like... Uh, when Champa got hold of the Hollywood headband, yeah. um, and then and the only thing that really actually affected Champa was when the Dream came out of the ring and picked up the title. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that, that's that's his kryptonite. It really is. That was that was real mind games, and yeah, I think it definitely got him an advantage in that match. Um, just talking about these past two matches, anyway. I feel like we're on the verge of two superstars leaving NXT, that being Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black. Yeah. How do you feel NXT survives without those two? Um, I, I think we thought this the last time around. We thought this when we lost Finn Balor, when okay. we lost um, Shinsuke Nakamura. And look what happened. We got the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and he came out of nowhere, man. He wasn't some indie hype, was he? He was just a no. guy that we were like, oh, we saw him job out a few times, and wow. So, yeah. yeah. I think we've got a crop of guys that are, that we don't know that we are going to love, um, yeah. just I mean, like we did before. You've got, like, the next lot, haven't you? So you've got, uh, like, Keith Lee and um, Matt, Riddle. Matt Riddle. Yeah. So they're going to be the next big names of NXT, I feel. Yeah. Those are the kind of convince me guys you know the kind of guys that were like oh show me what you can do yeah i can guarantee you now we'll be doing this podcast this time next year and i'll be and matt riddle will be over with me well 
that's the thing, man. I mean, leading on to the next match, over and over again, you've said to me, uh, hey, Dan, what do you think about the War Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about War Games. Um, now, this is the, the title match of, not the title match, but the, you know, the named match of the pay-per-view. Uh, utterly crazy concept from WCW, um, given birth to by the legendary Dusty Rhodes. Um, the the kind of revamped version is obviously the two rings side by side, which actually were pretty cool throughout the whole show, I thought, because a lot of mm. people kind of made use of it. They didn't overuse them, but they, they made use of it. Anyway, this is inside a steel cage. Obviously, you've got a bunch of... Uh, you've, you've got four people. Uh, hang on, four people on each team. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, two people start the match, and you've got three people inside cages outside of the ring. Um, now, as we count down throughout the match... One person is released from each released from each cage. Now, what I didn't realize and forgot about last last kind of year's show is that the people kind of fight to get out of the cage. <laughs> so you had like Pete Dunne kind of fighting the War Raiders to be the next person in, and put yeah. he never quite made it um, until the end. Um, and yeah, really cool concepts. Uh, the 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 kind of main thing I'd forgotten is the match doesn't actually begin until everyone's in the ring. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's so man. weird. So it's so like weird. you're watching Ricochet go up against Adam Cole. You're like, wow, God, I loved watching these two. And then the more people filter into the match, and it gets crazier and crazier. But the match still hasn't started. Um, yeah. But I, I don't like that. What, I don't like that aspect of it. You don't. No. Okay. You, what, do you wish it could? It, just, I understand that obviously they can't have a pinfall during that time, but I think it's odd how they keep forcing home the fact that the match hasn't started yeah because it's a long 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 time i mean effectively i mean i know they wouldn't but effectively the wrestlers could just stand and wait until everybody was in the ring they could and that would be super strange <laughs> but i understand exactly what you mean um i feel i feel like it's an interesting concept it's it might still be something that they kind of condense down and make make that not be the rules in the future who knows but one minute between each entrant yeah they've done that with rumbles haven't they because you know people want more sooner um but regardless of that i thought this was a stellar match i thought it was on a par with last year's war games last year's in my memory is still slightly more chaotic but still yeah. but saying that and watching this match kind of makes me think well God, I need to go back and watch last year's because this one what? seemed pretty damn chaotic. Yeah, what was it last year? Was it the was it Sanity against? It was no, it was like um, it was three teams, wasn't it? That's what I was thinking to myself. So oh like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was like right, Sanity yeah. uh, versus Roddy Strong and the Authors of Pain uh, versus the yeah. Undisputed Era. Uh, I think Bobby Fish was no, no. Obviously, Roderick Strong wasn't on in the Undisputed Era. So that's no, it. it wasn't. No, yeah. So, so yeah, and that was a crazy match, man. You had Killian Dane absolutely outperforming everyone in that match, and uh, poor guy, where is he now? That kind of sucks. Um, but this year was crazy, man. And to answer your question, yes, the War Raiders are now over with me because those guys put yeah, a hell of a show in. Um, I hate to use the old cliche, but, you know, for big guys, <laughs> for big guys... These guys can move. Agile, yeah. I'll tell you what, the bigger one as well. The biggest one, I yeah. don't know his name. But yeah. Hansen, I think his name is Hansen. Not like the band, but like <laughs> the the Viking. Um, and the other guy is Roe, I think. So Hansen and Roe. I've got to yeah. kind of keep drilling that into my head so I remember. But yeah, these guys rocked it, man. And um, 
they, they did a great job in there. The part of the storyline where Pete Dunne could not get out of the cage because Bobby Fish locked him in was fantastic to me. I loved that. It didn't weaken Pete Dunne at all because the guy is a madman. Yeah, do you wish that there was a better way that he got out of the cage rather than just happened to find yeah. the wire cutters? I mean, I was debating this. <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, if they get the wire cutters, that's fair enough, that's logical. But if he breaks the cage with his own hand, that's that's like too that's much. Better, isn't it? Well, I, no, it's like, that's too much. That's so I was like, I want a happy medium. I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to. I, I couldn't figure it out, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, if he'd have broken the cage, I'd have been like, okay. They, do you know what? You know what I think would have been better? This is me with my fantasy booking again. So you've got the part where, obviously, Bobby Fish runs out and uh, puts the new padlock on Pete Dunne's cage. Mm -hmm. Um, And at one point, Pete Dunne grabs Bobby Fish's hand, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. To bend the fingers back, and then he escapes. Yep. I think at that point, it should have been a case of he grabs his hand and then grabs the key and just like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, that's not happening. That would have been pretty cool, man. That would have been a bit more of a clever kind of thing but they went yeah. they went kind of logical and old school here and when pete Dunne got down to the ring he did he did a lot of ass kicking man for for this small guy that he is they're selling him as a, as a real beast i mean yeah. i know you love pete Dunne, but they're doing such a great job with all of these guys and you know what it reminds me of go on not not in style so don't get don't get that mixed up but <laughs> sort of ecw taz yeah yeah, man. It's I mean the outfit. Yeah, yeah. The, the crazy hairdo. Taz had a crazy hairdo like that, and and in kind of like the kind of, I don't know. In his attitude, he's really got something where it's like he doesn't really care at all. Yeah, he's, does sm- he? he's small, but le- you would legitimately be scared to meet him in the ring. And and, um, the the day after War Games, didn't he have a kid? He's like yes. his, his like his wife gave birth or, or girlfriend. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not That's sure. That's right. Yeah. So, a real double double kind of hitter for for Pete Dunne. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, this this guy knocked it out of the park. He was one of the kind of main players that stood out to me in this match, um, as well as Ricochet for all of the crazy kind of off the cage type stuff. I loved it, and the use yeah. of chairs by the Undisputed Era as well. Yeah. What can you say about that man? Absolutely killer. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this one overall? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Again, I thought every single person put themselves across in their own way. All eight of these men all had their own individual uh, takeover moments. Yep. And I liked the finish too. The only problem with the finish was that the cameraman missed it all. Yeah, I guess he did, man. I guess he did. He made up, They made up for it by that awesome moment with Rick and uh, Pete on top of the cage. Yeah, but yeah, right. it was a it was a strange one. That I, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder who was getting shouted out or fired <laughs> later what, on down the line. What did you think to the uh, the little clip that I sent you? There's a little clip floating around the internet at the minute where the War Raiders are celebrating after the match, and uh, both of them are like visibly emotional and. Cry, I think they're crying and like yeah. cuddling each Thank other. you so much for doing this yeah. for us. And uh, then they, uh, they give give Pete Dunn a cuddle and he's just like, uh, get off me. Type he thing. goes in like, for a hug and then he does his like snarl face. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really want to be part of that. It was that was really cool, man. I liked it. That's going to be a so good cool. like kind of wrestling classic gif in years to come. I think. Um, yeah, I think somebody had put um, the, the the title of the thing said, uh, "See the War Raiders breaking character." And then there's Pete Dunne. 
And then Pete Dunne actually retweeted this and with the title, what is character? What is a character? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that guy has got... I hate to say Live this kind gimmick. of thing. Well, I hate to say this kind of thing, but that guy seems to have a big future. It's just, I'm not sure where, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm not sure where they place him. I'm not sure if Vince or those guys in the main roster will understand him. That's the strange thing because what do they usually do with British wrestlers? That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> just like yeah. like you're British British guys, so you look at William. He's either going to be a king or he's going to be a man's man. Yeah, I mean, I d- I'm I'm terrified. I mean, we've got NXT UK and that's great. If they stayed on in NXT for, I mean, Pete Dunne could stay there for another ten years, man, and it'd be fine, right? Because he'd still be, be young enough, thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just stay down there, Pete. Be a veteran of NXT, and yeah. then I mean. I don't know a lot about uh, New Japan, but I feel like it would fit there. Yeah, yeah, of course. But and and I, as much as I do love New Japan, I don't think I want him to go there because I, in my mind, he is a WWE character. You know what I mean? Like New Japan has their characters, but it's all about. It seems to be more about wrestling over there, and you get the you get the storylines and stuff, and it's a bit more visceral. Whereas Pete Dunne, I feel like he's got that WWE character that can mm. be put to so much use. Like he's like you know, like cavemanny, you know that kind of thing, like a savage. Think about this, right? Would you swap Pete Dunne for Marty Skrull? Um, do you not think the villain character is more WWE? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. The the, the thing is about the thing is about New Japan for me is it's like I I watch it and I. I... <laughs> It doesn't seem to be as character-driven, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I find it hard to imagine anyone in WWE because I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, I look at WWE as the land of big characters and big personalities. And, yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. I know exactly mm. what you're saying to me. Um, it's just, I think I've just got high hopes for Pete. And when I see, when I see like, the top of the mountain, to me, regardless of how much I watch New Japan, Impact, Lucha Underground, WWE is still like the top so yeah. i want to see my guys go to the top and if they're already around it stick around pete yeah. just show vince go- what you can do just going back to what you were saying earlier about uh-huh. the velveteen dream yeah. and alistair black potentially leaving pete dunn another replacement there okay yeah i mean you think that he do you think that he's going to kind of run with both shows do you think he's eventually because i know we talked about the whole who's going to replace Pete Dunne as UK champion because that's gonna happen soon. He's mm. had that belt. Oh, he's got while. to let go of that, hasn't he? He has established that belt beyond belief, man. I mean, it, 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 it kind of, you know, it comes before the whole NXT UK thing. It was just a championship to yeah. represent the country, um, and yeah, he's taking it, as far it as is he can still go. a secondary. It is still a secondary championship, no matter how much Pete has put it over. Yeah, it's not. It's never going to be. A top championship, is it? Yeah, that's what I mean, man. I mean, he needs to start getting into that uh, North American division as far as I'm concerned, showing well, what not, he can do. Not, um, not just that. I think he needs to be in the NXT title picture. Wow. Well, that's that's something I haven't quite you know, thought about, but I guess... Imagine Champa, imagine Champa versus Dunn. Yeah, works for me, man. It works for me. I, I, you can slot his character in anywhere because he's not good, he's not bad, he's out for himself. That's it. Like he'll, yeah. he'll he'll kick your ass if you're a good guy to get to what he wants, so that's that's that, and I think I like that, and I I like in my head what I like about Pete Dunne is I like to go all the way back to the first time I saw him, 
and and like I fell in love with that character on that night. I did. Like I remember talking to you about it. Like who's mm. this, who's this guy? This guy with the <laughs> middle part in or whatever he's got and his little you know his little singlet thing. Who is this guy attacking someone like the first few nights of a tournament? And since they knew then, didn't they straight away? They yeah. knew straight away. Uh, Triple H, man. Triple H. Kudos to you. I might have had a go in the past, but this guy. Thank you for Pete Dunn. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we've gone off on another Pete Dunn tangent, you know. Moving on. We need some kind Moving of a jingle on. for when we do that. Um, we need a Pete Dunn section for every single show. Yeah, we do, because he's going to do something great every week, <laughs> you know it. Um, yeah, so great match, man. Super intense. Um, like you said, everyone got to shine in this match. I want to know as a whole as a pay-per-view, what are you rating this? Uh, let's give it an 8. Solid 8, man. I'd say the same thing. I would say the same thing. And only an 8 because of, you know, the fifth match was 7 seconds. If it had yep. been a long match, I reckon we, it would have gone a bit further. But, hell yeah. Um, what do you say we talk about Survivor Series, man? Survivor Series! Personally, I think the Survivor Series has been built pretty well. I feel like, you know, it's kind of the old bragging rights thing that they had that pay-per-view back in the day, maybe 10 years ago, where it was SmackDown versus Raw type thing. Um, and they've really kind of incorporated that into the idea of Survivor Series these days. So we're not really getting any championship matches where the title can change hands. It's brand against brand, battling for supremacy. And I think we got some really interesting matches here. Um... I feel like the build has been great too. We've had the whole Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey thing, Charlotte obviously getting kind of chucked into there as well for this match. We had a match that was going to be AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar, but, you know, spur of the moment, we get Daniel Bryan thrown in there, another dream match. And we've even got cool little treats like Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. Um, So, Sam... Let me know. What did you think uh, about this show? What were your favourite moments of the undercard? Just to discuss that first. Okay, so undercard, we're talking Rollins versus Nakamura. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, why'd you like that one? Do you know what? I'll be honest, there was nothing that really, really stood out from this one for me. Um, considering, once again, I think you've sort of got the the Nakamura rub thing. Yeah, where the same similar thing happens with AJ Styles. So you've got Seth Rollins who can have a great match with anybody, and then you put him with Shinsuke Nakamura who could have a great match with anybody, mm-hmm. but doesn't tend to. And it's such a strange thing. So who's I'm rubbing not, who? No, I'm not, I'm That's not taking a strange away question. This, I'm not taking away from this match because I really enjoyed it. Who's rubbing who? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, you've got Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. Both veterans, indie scene, New Japan, legends in their own right. Who needs it more? I think at this time, Shinsuke Nakamura kind of needed a rub. You know what I mean? I'm surprised he didn't win. That mm. that did shock me. Mm. But um, you know, considering because keep... obviously at this point we were already uh, smacked. Uh, Raw were already winning. Um, yeah, I thought that Shinsuke was going to win this one. Neither of I think yeah I think you're right I think Shinsuke needed the win more than Seth. Yeah, it's a strange thing, man. But I, I my logic behind this is the whole Roman Reigns situation right now. God bless him. You know we've uh, we've got the the Shield needing to be positioned. Well, the the ex Shield members 
Seth and Dean needed to needed to be positioned as strong. Uh, mm. Shinsuke Nakamura is kind of in the position of we've not really got much for you right now, which is a real shame because look at the guy. He it's a shame considering he's the US champion. Mm-hmm. For no apparent reason. Nakamura, come on. I love it. <laughs> I'm lying. I don't really know what it is. Almost as good as Planet Stasiak. Yes, almost as good. Um, yeah, it was a match that people can go back, watch uh, as, as a match of two great performers, you know, but it's nothing that's going to really stand out. And I feel like that that was, a, you know, how I felt about a lot of the Survivor Series undercard. We got the kind of, we got the all-females all match, which was great. Everyone got a showcase, but it was a bit clunky, um, I felt. And the, the men's match was great. Obviously, anything involving Braun Strowman right now um, is, is cool. And I believe we got to see Drew pick up a win there. Oh. oh which was great. Drew. Because the guy, the guy needs it. The guy, the guy needs it, and I feel like he is the, the guy that they are looking at and going, "Oh well, we had Braun, but Braun's got a bit of a bad attitude, and his knees are kind of a bit, you know, shot." So Drew McIntyre looks pretty damn good. I feel like yeah. that's what they're saying. I kind of feel bad though because I feel like Braun was the next in line, if you know what I mean. I mm. feel like, but I feel like maybe I he would have had it. Would he have had it by now? Would I don't know he... because. I just, I just don't know, man. I feel like if there is a match out of this, it's Drew versus Braun. Um, I'd love to see that as something like the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. But mm. I'm just not sure. But this was a great match. Um, anyway, not, not a classic or anything like that, but it was your, your kind of standard Survivor Series match where someone actually got put over um, big time. And I yeah. feel like they, they see what they had in Drew and what they now have and that they're really going to kind of push him. I really hope they do. Yeah. What did you think to him uh, annihilating Samoa Joe like that? Yeah, that was a strange one. A real strange move because obviously Samoa Joe doesn't usually go down like that. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. I don't know. How do you feel about that? If it was any anybody other than Drew McIntyre, I'd be pissed off. Mm-hmm. But it was Drew McIntyre, so I'm okay for now. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, I feel like that's the, that's the way the undercard really went. It was... It was good at selling the people that were on it, but it, you didn't put any crazy great matches on. Not until we got to the very last two, as far as I was concerned. So we're supposed to get Becky Lynch versus um, Ronda Rousey. But obviously Nia Jax put a stop to that, punched Becky in the face. We got some great imagery from Becky Lynch. Blood all over her face, stood at the top of the ramp. I absolutely love that. But it cost Becky the match, and therefore she had to find a replacement. So she picked Charlotte. Which, I mean, at the time, I didn't really think was great. I, I would have liked to seen anyone but Charlotte because, I, I don't know, it just didn't seem to fit for me. I'm, I'm the same. But, yeah. you know, as soon as the match happened, I got it. I was like, okay, this fits perfectly now. It's They've had the rivalry. Becky knows what Charlotte can do. Um, and then when we got what happened in this match, when, when everything came together, you realized why they did it. And... Yeah, I kind of I kind of liked it. Obviously, we got a great match that was kind of cut short a little bit by Charlotte hitting Ronda Rousey with the uh, with the kendo stick for the DQ. But in my opinion, I don't feel like it took that much away from the match. How do you feel about this one? It didn't take anything away from the match because this was a fantastic idea. Okay. Um, I you, you know I've been saying for ages that Charlotte should be heel. Um, That's where she thrives, man. 
the problem you've got at the minute is the fan mentality, um, and I'm one of them. I love a badass, and when the WWE try and make somebody a heel, it's like, oh, make them use weapons, everyone will hate them. No, it's going to be the total opposite. Every time you get somebody to do something despicable, the fans love it. And it's such a strange... It's just the way it is nowadays in wrestling, isn't it? I love You've got... Okay. Everybody despises Ronda Rousey at the minute. I hate that, um, though. I really dislike the fact that they were saying thank you, Charlotte, and stuff. It felt wrong to me. Like, I liked the I liked the way the story played out with Charlotte turning and kind of, you know, going heel. But I didn't like the fan reaction. I thought... I was just thinking... I was just thinking they're idiots. I just think... That's, well, is... Um, is Ronda Rousey really annoying? Not in this match. To me, she wasn't. In this match, I didn't find her annoying in the slightest. I found her to be a really great wrestler, and I felt that she delivered a, a kind of women's match that she lets whoever is in the ring with her put on a different kind of match because of where she's from, I feel. Mm. like. And when you get someone like Charlotte Flair in there, who is ace, and I don't always want to admit that because she's not my favourite character, but she's great in the ring. You get Ronda Rousey in there, who's already got something going. Whether or not she's a great wrestler or not, she's got something kind of magic um, about her with the star power and all that. You put Charlotte in there, she, it's just a great match. It's just, I just felt weird when they were like, thank you, Charlotte, and they were booing Ronda. I felt weird, man. It, it was strange. And yeah, I joined in. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Regardless, man. This was a hell of a showing, really. You know, we got an actual match out of the, out of the thing. We got, um, you know, a real good wrestling match between two ladies that can really go. But then we got that awesome beatdown at the end, and it was. It kept going, and it kept going. And, you know, you could see the marks all over Ronda. And then again, you could see him on Monday Night Raw. So she's obviously yeah. not averse to a good ass-whooping. But why did she just come out? sort of completely unscathed because Vince McMahon told her to <laughs> that sucks why didn't she have a neck brace on why isn't she in a wheelchair why isn't she on crutches kind of annoyed me yeah the whole neck thing the neck thing was like a you gotta Pointless. sell that yeah but um yeah. yeah did the job Charlotte is officially in my books a heel I guess Becky Lynch isn't quite a heel though right no Becky Lynch is a hero so I'm interested in seeing where this dynamic plays out, man. Because obviously Ronda and Charlotte are going to touch each other for quite a while. Different brands. Um, but Charlotte and Becky, are, they're going to be having some kind of, you know, I don't know. Are they going to get together, be a badass team? Yeah. You think? Yeah. I think they're going to wreak havoc. Okay. And I think eventually they're going to come across the two faces known as Bailey and Sasha. Okay. And possibly form the Four Horsewomen. Wow. So, here's something we were foreshadowing earlier on. Yeah, you know it's going to happen. Yeah, the whole Shayna Baszler um, and and her two homies. I really wish I could remember. Jessamine Duke, that's it. Jessamine Duke and Marina Marina Schaefer. Um, Jessamine. (laughs) That's the one. Yeah, they kept saying it. I was like, just say Jess. It sounds cooler. Yeah, Jessamine, Jessamine, uh, Duke, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, she's the. I think she's the real. She's the one with the blonde hair that looks really long. Like she's really tall, um, and she she looks like a real badass. 
Um, but yeah, I think these four, Ronda Rousey, Jessamine Duke, Marina Schaefer, <laughs> and uh, Shayna Baszler are going to come together eventually as this four horsewomen. Yeah. I can't imagine it though, because in my mind, Shayna Baszler is already this huge personality, stands out on her own. Ronda Rousey is as well, but they don't go together for me. You know what I mean? No, because one's a, he- one's a heel and one's a face, and that's how it's always going to be, I think, as well. God. Yeah, because Shayna Baszler... Strange. Yeah, it's really weird, but um, we'll, I guess we'll see. But yeah, when that four horsewomen thing eventually happens, that's got to be a mania moment. That's got to be a huge thing. I really hope that they, they position that to be a That could a be like a, a headline, a match, surely. Well, I know it's a four-on-four women's match, which seems strange because we've had that shoved down our throats a lot. Yep. But I think just the, the people involved in the match. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean... Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch kind of headlining mania thing? Is that, that something that you think could happen? Because in my mind, just thinking about that match, I'm like, yeah. Like, realistically, that could happen in my head. As, as, things, as things stand, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's time for it to go downhill, isn't there, from now? <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> but yeah. as things stand, yeah, certainly. And I never thought that I'd say that. I never thought... Like, when people kept saying women could headline, like, WrestleMania, I wasn't be- thinking, oh, you know, they can't. I was thinking, I don't know who could. That's yeah. what I thought. I-, I thought, I'm not sure I want to see any of the four horsewomen of NXT headlining WrestleMania just yet. They haven't sold me on it. They have and now. S- six months ago, would you have ever thought that it would have been Becky Lynch? No. I would have thought Becky Lynch would have been tagging with Naomi on the second <laughs> match on SmackDown. And so, Asuka would have been uh, headlining, yeah. Oh, God, don't do not do this to me, man. I try, I purposefully tried to avoid the name Asuka uh, just so I wouldn't get upset. So let's not go there. But, um, yeah, fantastic match. I, I think unanimously this one got praised, and I, I see that it's completely justified. Let's talk about the main event here. We've got um, a match that should be champion versus champion so should be AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar unfortunately the title switched hands on the previous Smackdown in a fantastic match so now we've got heel Daniel Bryan thanks to him low blowing AJ Styles heel WWE champion Daniel Bryan against the universal champion Brock Lesnar now how do you feel about this match man how did you feel about it going into this match right first of all I've got to think to myself would I rather have Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan or would I rather have Brock Lesnar versus WWE champion Sean Stasiak? Weird one. I, I honestly can't make that decision myself either. So I think uh, probably I'm going to swear for Daniel Bryan on this one. Yeah, possibly. Um, okay, first five minutes of this match, I was thinking, oh my God, it's a complete and utter beatdown again. This yeah. sucks. Very, very Roman Reigns-y at WrestleMania type thing. Yeah. yeah. I was also very scared. Concussion scared. Yeah, because Brock is... I'm not saying he's not careful. He's just extremely powerful with the little guys. Hmm. And, uh, wow, it was literally throwing him from one side of the ring to the other. And I think... was. Do you think maybe that's why he switched from doing the Germans into the belly-to-bellies? Maybe. Because it's less neck trauma and head trauma yeah maybe but like i'm convinced in my head now right and maybe this is me talking myself out of how good brock lesnar can be as a character but i'm convinced 
that Brock Lesnar takes care of everyone he's in the ring with. Like, I don't know why, but just the second that he stepped in with Daniel Bryan, I was like, Brock has got to be careful, right? Because D. Bry, you know, one bad thing that happens to him and he could be out of there for good, right? But mm. I'm thinking, God, he is really not letting up on Daniel Bryan. He looks like he's throwing him like he throws Roman Reigns, like he throws anybody. Yeah. So I'm convinced in my mind that Brock just knows what he's doing. Like he just knows, like he's just some kind of amazing athlete that just knows how to do it without really hurting someone. How not to hurt someone, yeah, and make yeah. it look horrendous at the same time. So, so in in turn, I'm starting to get a little bit more respect for Brock Lesnar, um, which is not good because I shouldn't because then <laughs> I'm I'm against everything he is as a character. But... No, but I am too, and especially after this match because. Um, obviously what happens next is Daniel Bryan makes a miraculous comeback yep. and hits Brock time after time after time after time even to the point where you've got Daniel Bryan jumping out of the ring Brock catches him and your first thought is ah oh, here we go again F5 it's done okay. but no Daniel Bryan escapes and it keeps going and it keeps going and when you get to the point of the yes lock there was just a small part of me that was just thinking, could it be, could it be that Brock is going to tap out to Daniel Bryan? And how incredible would that have been? Well, here's the thing, like, when Brock was in that yes lock, he com- he actually looked like he could tap out. It wasn't any display of strength. He was no, in yeah. pain. His hands were up. Like he was like, "Oh, I'm not sure I can take this." He was really selling that man. Yeah. So you did. You obviously really thought this this could happen, you know. Um, yeah. And really, you know, and I really, I just loved the fact that we there was a match involving Brock Lesnar. And do you know what I'm saying when I say a match? Yeah, like a match where both people actually got offense in, as opposed to it just been a, a beat down. Yeah, and, and it, it took me, it just took me back to the reason why I was a Brock Lesnar fan in the first place, and obviously uh, over the last couple of years I've sort of lost that. But yeah, I was reminded of it again. I think at Survivor Series. Do you think it's the fact that you saw Brock selling, like like he yes. sold for something, and and you're like, obviously, you know, when he's having this match laid out to him. Um, Vince has said, look, Daniel Bryan is a believable character. He's a believable ass-kicking character. He might be little, but this guy, you know, he's been around a while. He knows exactly what to do, and he he can beat your ass. He's been the champion. So, obviously, he's sold the notion to Brock that this isn't just some guy that you can throw around. So, I don't know. I, I just loved it, man. I loved the competitiveness of this yeah, match. It was um, really great. And, yeah, I feel like it was such a good closer for Survivor Series. Um, it almost made me feel bad that it wasn't for a title. Um, which, which did you like better, Brock versus Brian or Charlotte versus Ronda? Strange thing, isn't it? Because they were both um, they were both kind of affected by some form of cheatingness. So not cheating by Charlotte, she stopped the match by by smacking Ronda Rousey with a, a kendo stick. But Daniel Bryan had to, in order to get a one-upsmanship on Brock Lesnar, he had to low blow him, didn't he? Um, mm. which meant he would do anything it takes, really. Um, so, God. I'd say I'd say the Brock-Daniel Bryan match. I think it was just... that It just had that little bit of an edge. What about you? Yeah, it was so good. And, you know, especially when I... Watching it for the first time, and I just, I just thought, wow. 
this is so cool. It, it's just so cool that Brock has some competition and we've been begging for it for so long now. Yeah, and who'd have thought it would be Daniel Bryan? Yeah, um, that's what makes it even better, isn't it? Well, the last match that he had against someone that was this competitive was AJ Styles, and it was in a different way because AJ actually really took it to Brock, I feel. Yeah. I feel like he, re- he had a real wrestling match with him, which was the last time that people were super impressed with Brock. And, you know, we won't get these matches all the time, man. We won't get them. We'll get them every now and again just to remind us that Brock Lesnar is great. But you certainly you're not going to get that out of Braun Strowman, are you? No, no. I, but are you going to get it from Drew McIntyre? Uh, yeah, because I think Drew can put on great matches, and I think I think when it comes to being like that professional guy that will go out there and deliver, yeah, I think I think Drew can yeah. do it. Um, I think Braun is much more of an Andre the Giant type character where he'll go out there and he'll kick your ass, and you'll go, "Wow, oh, you know that kind of thing," instead of being yeah. like, "Oh, that was a cool technical move." Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Um, give me a rating for Survivor Series, man. Um, going from the two matches we've just spoken about, it's going to be a seven, I think. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go a little bit under that because it really didn't pick up that much for me, to be fair, until the two minutes. So I'm going to go like 6.5. Um, but I, I want to say, you know, if you haven't seen Survivor Series check out those two matches because I think that they will be considered future classics. I think that they are the beginning of, of a lot of people's momentum for the future. So, hell yeah. Awesome. All right, folks, this has been another great episode of the Is It Over Yet Wrestling podcast. Um, please check us out in the next few weeks. We'll be bringing Wilder Trios back for you. But in the meantime, check out all of our social media sites. That's twitter.com slash IIOY podcast. That's facebook.com slash is it over yet pod. Soundcloud.com slash is it over yet pod. Instagram.com slash is it over yet pod. And please check us out on iTunes and Spotify by searching IIOY Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you again very soon. So from me, Dan Cooper, this guy, Sam Whaley, take care. Bye-bye.